Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Our Father, we approach your word with reverence. We approach it humbly. We thank you, dear Father God, that we can entrust our lives to your word. We thank you for the spirit that will unveil and unfold this word unto our spirits, to give direction to our spirits, to give illumination unto our minds, that we can walk in the light of it and be doers of the word, not hearers only. I thank you, dear Father God, as these things become truth within our spirit, our profit, profiting shall be made known unto all men. We thank you for it in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Just find the scripture in 1 Timothy 4.15 and just hold on to it just for a minute. We're going to talk about prayer. Now, we said um, we're discussing the topic of prayer, the subject of prayer. And we're talking about prayer that changes things. Prayer that changes things. You know, people have circumstances in their lives and situations in their lives that they need God to help them with their problems and situations. And without God helping them, well, they're just going to be defeated and unsuccessful. As a matter of fact, put your bookmarker in there and go back to the book of Numbers. I'm going to show you something here. Go to the 14th chapter of the book of Numbers. 14th chapter of the book of Numbers. I'll show you why we are spending so much time on this subject, particularly the subject of prayer and petition. Remember, everything we're talking about is based upon the fact that God said in His Word He would do certain things for His people. He made a promise to them that they would have a land that floweth with milk and honey, and they were to go to that land, possess that land, and eat the good of that land. And we found out that they never did make it. Only a few. Well, in Numbers, the 14th chapter... You will recall, let's start reading with verse 26. You'll recall that when the Lord was finally fed up with them, after they murmured so many times against what His Word had said, even though they saw the miracles and the works that He did, they were not able to or permitted to enter into that land. Now let's look at verse 26. And the Lord spake unto Moses and unto Aaron, saying, How long shall I bear with this evil congregation, which murmur against me? I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel, which they murmur against me. Aren't you glad that that doesn't say, How long shall I bear with this evil congregation? And then in the latter part, I have heard the murmurings of the children of Midland, which they murmur against me. Aren't you glad it doesn't say that? Aren't you glad it doesn't say that? Hallelujah. I'm glad it doesn't say that. Aren't you glad it doesn't say that? I'm glad it doesn't say that. Say unto them, not Midland. As truly as I live, saith the Lord, as you have spoken in my ears, so will I do unto you. Your carcasses shall fall in this wilderness, and all that were numbered of you, according to your whole number, from twenty years old up and upward, which have murmured against me, doubtless you shall not come into the land. Boy, am I glad he didn't say that to the Midland Church. Concerning which I swear to make you dwell therein, save Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and Joseph, or Joshua, the son of Nun. But your little ones, which you said... Ye said should be a prey, then will I bring in, and they shall know. Notice, they said they'll be a prey. 
You know, little ones that didn't know any better. You said they're going to die, but I'm going to show you something. I'm going to save them. Okay? And they shall know the land which you have despised. But as for you, your carcasses, they shall fall in this wilderness. And your children shall wander in the wilderness forty years. And bear your whoredoms until your carcasses be wasted in the wilderness. And after the number of the days in which you searched the land, even forty days each day for a year, shall ye bear your iniquities even forty years, and you shall know my breach. Circle it. A promise. Revoke is the word. Revoke. Did you, ever get your, did you ever get your driver's license revoked? Good. You're obeying the laws of the land. <laughs> but did you ever know somebody that did? Yes, I know somebody that did. It's one thing when the state of Pennsylvania revokes your driver's license. But it's another thing when the Lord God of Israel revokes His promise. Isn't that right? A person can get to their life, get to a place in their lives spiritually that there's a revoking of that promise. And it's not God's fault and it's not his desire. But it's because even though they saw, saw his signs and wonders, they didn't learn the word. And they didn't learn to walk by faith. They didn't understand what his operation of faith was in the earth. They didn't know how to pray and receive. Now, let's read on here because I want to show you my position now. Okay. I, the Lord, have said, I will surely do it unto all this evil congregation that are gathered together against me. In this wilderness they shall be consumed, and there they shall die. And the men which Moses sent to search the land, who returned, and made all the congregation to murmur against him by bringing up a slander upon the land, even those men that did bring up the evil report upon the land died by the plague before the Lord. Boy, I'll tell you what. I am preaching the word of faith. And I am not going to allow your hearts to fall and to falter and faint because of the words that I speak unto you. These were representative men to go before the land, to spy out the land, and bring back the word of faith. And bring back the truth of God's word that even though there were giants in the land, bless God, I'm saying it to you today, congregation of Midland, we're well able to possess the land and take it. It's a land that floweth with milk and honey. There's giants out there. Who cares? You know, cancer, tuberculosis, and all these other things that are out there. Poverty, all those things are out there. There's giants in the land, but bless God, we're well able to take the land. We are well able to possess our inheritance and to dwell in it before us. Amen? Praise God. They died in the wilderness. But Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, which were of the men that went to search the land, lived still, and they got their inheritance. Okay. Do I make my point? I want to teach you how to walk in this land. Possess this land. Take this land by force. And then dwell in it. And we're spending so much time because this is God's intention in salvation. This is why they were delivered, was to get to this place. And this is why you've been delivered, to get to this place in God. That you can be independent of circumstances. And totally dependent upon the name of Jesus and the Father's care. Okay. Now we'll go back to that scripture in there in 1 Timothy. 4th chapter. Now if the circumstances that surround your life right now are unfavorable, 
there's something you can do about it. I don't care if you've been to every prayer line in the country. I don't care if hands were laid upon you by the best of them, as someone said. (laughs) And you didn't get any results. I don't care. You can still get your results and you can change your destiny if you will take up the word of faith. Learn how to pray and learn how to stand your ground. Amen? Okay. Now, we put an emphasis on the fact that faith makes prayer work. Faith makes prayer work. And we were outlining to you certain steps to follow to obtain an answer to your prayer. So if your circumstances that are surrounding your life are unfavorable right now, you need to listen. And also, if the circumstances that are surrounding your life are favorable, you still need to listen so that you can just keep on moving on. And grow to a place in Him that they stay that way. Amen? Okay. Now, step number one we said was to find the... Or find out what you want from God. Decide what you want from God. Make your decision as to what you need. It may be that you need a healing in your body. It may be, you know, that you need finances. Help in your area of finances. It may be that you need help in your household. You know, in your family members. It may be, you know, you have need to be delivered from fear. Whatever the case might be. It doesn't matter what it is. You know, there's no fiery dart of the devil that cannot be quenched by the shield of faith. And so it doesn't matter what it is. It falls under the same category. It's still a dethroned power. Let's call that thing a dethroned power. See, right now. It has no power over the saint of God. True, the giants were in the land. But bless God, it's a greater truth that God was greater than the giants. Amen? Okay. Now, you find the scriptures or find what you want from God. Then you find the scriptures that promise you the answer. Step number two was when you get these scriptures, you meditate upon them. Meditate upon the scriptures that promise you the answer. Now, here in 1 Timothy 4... Or 4.15 Meditate upon these things and give thyself wholly to them That your profiting may appear to all Now notice that he's telling Timothy to meditate upon these things Meditate upon these things Decide what you want from God Find the scriptures that promise you the answer And meditate upon these things Meditate means the mutter we said It means to speak and muse To go over you know, every avenue that's you know, in the Word, no matter what, which way you can look at it, just find every way you can look at, uh, you know, wherever your problem is, whatever the case might be. If it's fear, look up every scripture that pertains to fear. If it's, if it's sickness and disease, look up every scripture that pertains to healing. If it's finances, look up every scripture that promises you financial prosperity. Look up every one of them that's in the Bible and begin to meditate upon them, begin to speak them, and begin to, you know, develop your inner man by speaking and meditating upon the Word. Now, the purpose of meditation, we said, meditation makes truths out of facts. Meditation makes truths out of facts. It's a fact that Jesus bore your sicknesses and carried your pains. But unless that becomes a truth in your life, the fact of that will not do you any good. It is a fact that He supplies all your need according to your rich, His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. But that fact will never be a reality in your life unless it becomes a truth. When that becomes a truth in your heart, then your need will be met. See, these facts must be turned into truths in the heart of the believer so they become realities and so that you can benefit from them and so you can profit in them. Now, I want to show you something here in the 119th Psalm before we go on any further. Let's go back to the 119th Psalm in verse 92. And uh, I want you to note something that the psalmist said concerning meditation in the Word. I said this morning, I I don't have time to go over every facet of this, but I do have time to share some scriptures with you. 
You'll have to look up these scriptures for yourself and you're going to have to meditate upon them for yourself. But I'm just going to give you a quick outline here. I want you to note this scripture, though. 119.92 Unless thy law had been my delights. Now remember this. The psalmist said that he delights in the, in the law of the Lord day and night. He meditates day and night. In his law doth he meditate day and night. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Unless thy law had been my delight, unless thy law had been my delight, I should then have perished in mine affliction. Now, if Joshua and Caleb did not meditate and delight in the word that was spoken by God, then they also likewise would have perished in their affliction. But these two individuals decided to delight in the Lord by meditating in the Word. I cannot emphasize this enough because people don't meditate the Word of God. They don't take the time. This is what gives faith a bad name. This is what gives the message of faith a bad name. People are running in head knowledge. They're running in mental ascent. They're not walking in heart faith. The Word of God declares we've got to meditate the Word by day and by night. So that Word can become a part, you know, a part of our inner man. He said, unless I had meditated the word, then I would have perished in my affliction. But bless God, because he meditated the word, then when the affliction came, his spirit was able to sustain it. And he was delivered out of it. I can't meditate the word for you. I can't speak the word for you. I can't murmur the word for you. Only you can mutter and murmur and use the word for yourself. Now, I said, you know, this morning, you've got to take that word and you've got to just begin to, you know, speak it under your breath during the course of the day, whatever you're doing. Just if, if, if it's fear, and we'll give you an example later on. But if it's fear, you start quoting the scriptures. God's not giving me the spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. Oh, I thank you, dear Father God, that you're not giving me the spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. Oh, I thank you, Father God, that I don't have to fear because you are with me. You're for me and you're in me. I'll not fear a man shall do unto me because you'll never leave me or forsake me. Jesus said he leaves me his peace and I'll not be afraid in my heart. I'll not let my heart be troubled or be afraid. I praise you, Father God, that you are my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? You're the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? I'm not going to fear because you have redeemed me and called me by your name. It doesn't matter what comes my way. You'll protect me from the fire, from the waters. It doesn't matter. How about this one? The Lord is my refuge of very present help and trouble. He's my strength. Though the earth be removed from beneath me, I will not fear. I will not fear. I will not fear. I will not fear. Even if the, the world is removed from me, even though the, the mountains begin to quake, and even though the, you know, the waters begin to rise, and there's a flood over all the face of the earth, and, and the earth just seems to be removed from beneath me, the psalmist said, I will not fear. Now you say it over and 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 over, and over again. Just keep saying it, saying it, saying it, saying it. That's meditating in the Word of God. Okay? That'll get so deep with inside your spirit, man. It'll become a part of your inner man. And the Spirit of God will quicken that. It will become life in you. It becomes God in you. And everything that that Scripture is saying become a part, a truth, and a reality inside your heart. Then when you speak that word, beloved, creative power, creative ability is released out of your mouth. Jesus is the Word, and there's power in the name of Jesus. Okay. Now let's go to John 16. I'm not going to spend any more time on that. But I want you to note what the psalmist said. Unless I meditated upon your word... I would have died or perished in my affliction. And I said to you this morning, there's not any excuse that you could name 
that can be worth you're not meditating the Word of God. You don't have an excuse that's big enough or reasonable enough. You have to meditate the Word. You can meditate the Word. I said, you don't have to have a Bible with you. Thy Word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Just begin to meditate the Word out of your heart and begin to speak the Word and mutter the Word continuously, day by day and by night. He's not talking about holding a Bible in front of your face. You're going to have your time of study and meditation in the Word that way. But I'm talking about the time that you're driving in a car, when you're going to the store, when you're sitting in your house, when you're sitting at the table. Talk the Word. Talk the Word. Talk the Word. Don't talk doubt and unbelief. People are defeated in life because they talk doubt and unbelief. Matter of fact, you mark this down. People are defeated because of wrong thinking, wrong believing, and wrong speaking. Wrong thinking, wrong believing, and wrong speaking. Because they were thinking wrong in the wilderness... They believed wrong. They believed they couldn't take the land. And because they believed they couldn't take the land, they spoke wrong. They said, we can't take the land. And when they spoke it, God said, because you have spoken in my ears, you're going to die in this wilderness. It shall come to pass that you will. You shall have whatsoever you say it. Well, did they get whatsoever they said? Okay. Did they get whatsoever they said? Did Joshua and Caleb get whatsoever they said? Did they? I'm not going to stop saying it. You might as well just face it. He shall have whatsoever he what? Whatsoever he what? Whatsoever he said. What shall he have? Well, what are you saying? Now, believe me, I didn't write that scripture. I'm going to tell you again, I did not write that scripture. Kenneth Hagin didn't write that scripture. Jesus of Nazareth wrote that scripture. Amen. He shall have whatsoever he saith. That's what he said. So I have to believe it. Okay, John 16. After you have decided what you want from God, after you have found the scriptures that promise you the answer, after you have meditated the word by day and by night, I mean just, you know, constantly thinking about that word, constantly meditating that word, feeding yourself with that word, bringing it up out of your spirit, thinking about it, meditating on it, pondering it over and over and over and over and over and over and over. Now you are ready to ask the Father in the name of Jesus. Look, look at verse 23. And in that day you shall ask me nothing. Jesus is speaking. He says, you shall ask me nothing. When you are asking for anything in prayer, you do not ask Jesus, but you ask the Father in the name of Jesus. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. Hitherto have you asked nothing in my name. Ask and you shall receive. I love that, you know. I love the, the way Jesus is positive. I like the attitude of his heart. Ask and you shall receive, that your joy may be full. Okay? Hitherto you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you shall receive. Ask and you shall receive. Ask and you shall receive. If he shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, when you pray, when you ask the Father, when you pray, believe that you receive and you shall have, and he shall have, and you shall receive, that your joy may be full. That's what Jesus is saying. When you ask the Father in my name, you shall receive, that your joy may be full. Let me show you something right here about your joy. You're to count it joy by faith. Whenever you fall into diverse temptations, knowing that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Is that right? You're to count it all joy. You're to count it all joy. How do I count a trial, a tribulation upon my faith? Joy. Only by faith. There is no joy in trials and tribulations and circumstances that are contrary to my true desire to myself and towards my family. Am I right? 
So I can only count it joy by faith. So I start to just work, get that joy out of my spirit and say, Praise God, Father. I thank you and count it all joy that this is just another chance for me to just grow in patience. Bless God. I thank you that the Word is true. Hallelujah. Glory be to the Father in Jesus' my name. I thank you, Father God. I'm growing in patience in Jesus' my name. And you're counting it joy by faith. You're counting it joy by faith. Well, now listen to this. And you shall receive that your joy may be full. Notice you've got to keep saying it and saying it and saying it and saying it. Oh, I thank you, Father God. I count it all joy. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. I thank you, Father God, for this trial of my faith in Jesus' mighty name. I thank you, Father God, that I'm growing in patience. And, and, and I know that you've, you've provided me, for me the answer. Okay? Now, you shall receive that your joy may be what? It's a joy unspeakable. You know when your joy is full, it's unspeakable. When you see that desired result come, when you see a little baby rise up off that bed that was, you know, sick of a fever, and you're saying, oh, I count it all joy, Father God, I count it all joy. Yeah, you're counting a joy by faith, aren't you? I mean, you're counting that joy by faith. I mean, your every fiber of your being doesn't want to count it all joy when your little baby's lying there with a fever. But you lay your hand and say, in Jesus' name, I count it all joy. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Father, I thank you in Jesus' name that my baby is healed, was healed, is whole by Jesus' stripes. What they, they, you know, when, when she jumps off that bed and begins to run around and says, Glory be to God, give me a steak dinner, Mom. And she begins to run around that room. Your joy is filled to overflowing. It's unspeakable then. Probably be in other tongues by then. Right? He wants your joy to be full. And your joy is full when you receive that thing. Ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. See, it gets to a place of being full, unspeakable and filled with glory. Okay, he goes on saying, These things have I spoken unto you in Proverbs, but the time cometh when I shall no more speak unto you in Proverbs, but I shall show you plainly of the Father. At that day you shall ask in my name. And I say not unto you that I will pray the Father for you. See, I'm not praying for you. You will pray or ask the Father in my name. I'm not praying for you. You will pray and ask the Father in my name, and the Father will grant it you. Okay. Now, we said that prayer is not enough. Remember? Prayer, asking the Father, is not enough. When you ask Duquesne Light to come and turn on your electrical current to come to your house to provide all the needs that you have in your household, they granted you that request, but it wasn't enough. Even though everything was coming to your house and everything was, you know, all in, all or, all in order, everything was working prop properly, there were no fuses that were blown out, everything was just working properly. As long as you stayed there and didn't turn on the switch of faith, your request that was granted to you wasn't enough. Just, just because you asked the Father... You know, for His power and His glory and everything that, that's rightfully yours. And it's coming to your household. I mean, it's just, every, it's just being poured out inside your spirit. It's just filled you up inside your spirit. Every, all systems are go. I mean, everything is just ready to go. I mean, the power that's working in you is glorious. It's powerful. If you don't keep your switch of faith turned on, it won't do anything. It won't amount to heal of beans. But you've got to turn that switch of faith on. When you ask, it's granted. Just like Duquesne Light granted you your request. We just sent a formal request into the school down here so we can, you know, use their gym for basketball on Thursday nights. I told you I was sending a formal request. I told you that we would get an answer. I said that answer would be that we could use that gym. 
Well, I got my answer back. I got a formal answer back. They said, you have, you know, the right to use that gym from 7.30 to 9.30 on Thursday evenings. Isn't that nice that, you know, we can play basketball on Thursday nights? Can you imagine if everybody stood here at church and on Thursday nights and says, we can play basketball on Thursday nights over there at the school? It wouldn't do you any good, would it? No, if you're not going to use it, what good is it going to do? You. It's not going to do you any good. That's how Christians are today. You have got the switch of faith. You have got the power of Almighty God. It is inside you. It is working in you. According to His riches and glory, it's inside you right now. And all you've got to do is keep the switch of faith turned on. And let that power just go and meet your every need. Let it flow through you. If you have a need of healing in a part of your body, you keep that switch of faith turned on and it'll just... just saturate your inner man and it'll flow out of your inner man it'll flow through your mind and it'll flow into your body and it'll heal that body no matter where it's at no matter where you hurt it'll work but you've got to keep the switch of faith turned on okay so now you, you come to the Father and you're going to ask Him so number one you have found the Scriptures or you decided what you wanted you found the Scriptures you meditated the Word of God and now you are asking the Father how are we to ask? in faith Nothing wavering. Now, Father, I'm asking you in the name of Jesus. Let me say something else about this name of Jesus. I said this before, that people direct their praise and worship mostly to Jesus. Let's go to Ephesians, the fifth chapter. You know, we're trying to get people to grow up spiritually. To get them to a place that they begin to recognize what the Word teaches us concerning prayer and praise and, you know, our relationship with the Father. I want you to notice that Jesus, everything Jesus did, He never claimed to do of Himself. He says, all that I'm doing, I'm doing of the Father. The Father that sent me, He doeth the works. He didn't come to reveal Himself to us. He came to reveal the Father to us. He came to declare the Father to us. He came to show us the Father. That's what He said. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I came just to do the things of the Father. Isn't that what He said? Okay, now look, here's what He's saying to us about the Father. Look at verse 19. Ephesians 5, 19. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Giving thanks how often? How often? How often? Always unto God. Now listen. For all things unto God. And who? And who? In the name of who? Oh, now listen, I have nothing against worshiping and, and, and thanking the Lord Jesus for how wonderful He is and all that He's done for us. But I see that Christians, 90% of the time, are always praying and worshiping Jesus. And they don't seem to have any, you know, awareness of who the Heavenly Father is. But you'll find out throughout all the New Testament that everything is designed to give glory and honor to the Father in the name of Jesus. Isn't that right? He is our representative man in heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. For what purpose? So we can direct our praise unto the Father in His name. So we can direct our prayer requests unto the Father in His name. That's why He sits there at the right hand of the Father as an intercessor for us. Okay? To give us access to the throne of God. To give us access to the Heavenly Father. And here we're not only supposed to pray to the Father, but we are supposed to worship and praise and thank the Father in the name of Jesus. Now we've got to be specific in our prayer lives. And we can't, you know jumble these things together and just start to spill them out and saying it's going to work for us all the time. And we are to mature in these things. We're to pray to the Father in the name of Jesus and we are to worship the Father in the name of Jesus. Okay. Now, we're ready to pray. And uh, we come before the presence of His glory. We come before the throne of God and we take to our Father a formal request, our petition. 
this formal request or this petition is not supposed to be your problem. It is supposed to be your, your desired result. I always ask people when they pray, what is your desired result? You are never supposed to pray the problem. You are supposed to pray the answer. Philippians 4, 6 tells you exactly how to do it. You're close by. Look at the fourth chapter and the sixth verse. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by what? By prayer. See, that's the asking part. And supplication. With thanksgiving, let your request, let your request be made known unto God. Not your problem. There's a lot of people that will spend fruitless hours in prayer by saying to the Father what their problem is. Now, Lord, Heavenly Father, you know I can't afford to pay my bills. Now, Heavenly Father, you know that I have these problems and I just don't know how to get out of them. Now, Father, you know that I... He doesn't want to hear the problems. You say, how can you say such a thing? Well, the book of Hebrews tells us that he is touched with the feelings of our infirmities. He's already touched with the feeling of our infirmities. He already knows what the problem is. Jesus has already lived through your problems. He knows what your problems are. He's been in a human body and he died a horrible death. He's been touched with the feeling of your infirmities, which is why he is a faithful high priest. You can't go before the Father and say, Well, now, Lord Jesus, you don't know what I went through. Don't dare say anything like that. You don't know what he went through. There's no, there isn't anything on this earth that you can go through that Jesus didn't go through. And then a whole lot more that he did for you. Jesus is touched with the feeling of your infirmities. He is for you. He is with you. He's on your side. He knows what it's like to live in a mortal, death-doomed body when he was hanging on that tree. He knows what it's like to be separated from the Father. When he cried out and said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? You see what I'm saying? He knows that. And that's why he doesn't want any one of his children to be left out in the dark concerning these things. He wants every one of us to come in by his blood into the presence of the Heavenly Father and bring your request. You're not going in there to beg God. Some, some people have an idea that they can wear down God. If they could just wear him down and just pester him, he's going to answer their prayer. You know, that's ridiculous. If there's anybody you've got to wear down and pester, it's the devil. He's persistent. You know, in other words, he is going to always come your way to get you out of faith and put you back into sense, knowledge, evidence. And if he can do that, then he can cause your faith to fail. But up until this point, you have taken the word, meditated it. You have the thing that you want to ask the Father for. Now you're going into his presence. You have to realize that this is a... A throne of love gifts. Let's look at that Hebrews 4 chapter before we go on any further here. We might as well just get deeper into this thing. You know, the Bible says where there is no vision, the people perish. I want you to visualize your Father's throne. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our prophet. That's all he asked you to do. That's all he asks us to do on our part. Let us hold fast our profession or confession. And in the literal Greek, it could be translated this way. Let us hold fast our saying the same thing. In other words, whatever God said about you, you say the same thing. Let us hold fast our saying the same thing. Okay, now look at the next verse. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace or love gifts, 
that we may obtain maybe no, maybe yes, maybe sometimes if he wants to if he feels like it God doesn't feel he doesn't walk by feelings no what does it say? that we may obtain mercy not that we might get kicked out you are coming into the presence of your Father. And when you come to the presence of your Heavenly Father, He's got a throne of mercy. Not a throne of judgment waiting you, but a throne of mercy. And in that throne room, He has a, a storehouse of love gifts. And when you get there, He wants you to f obtain mercy and find grace to help in your time of need. You are a child of God coming to your Heavenly Father to get your need met. And when you walk into His presence, you have... Personally prepared a formal written request. You have taken him at his word. You have written it down on a piece of paper. And you formally submit that request unto him, your heavenly father, in the name of Jesus. Now why in the world would the father have you go through all that trouble to say, Well, if I feel like it, I might do something about it. If I don't feel like it, you're just going to have to bear with it for a while. For the life of me, I wouldn't want to be in that kind of a throne room, would you? You know, when my little girl comes into my bedroom, or my little boys come into my bedroom, BJ is just so good for this. He wakes up and sometimes he woke up one night in the middle of the night, and I went to the other room to get him. And I picked him up out of his bed, took him in my arms, and he said, Daddy, this is like four o'clock in the morning now. Okay? All right. Daddy, you just fell asleep too because you were studying till about 2, 2.30. Daddy, would you do me a favor? That's what grace is, see? Favor. God's unmerited favor. Or God's willingness to use His ability on your behalf. Daddy, would you do me a favor? I said, well, what is it, BJ? He said, um, I think my stomach is telling me that it wants something to drink. I said, do you want me to do your stomach a favor? <laughs> he said, yeah, go downstairs and get me something to drink. Okay, BJ. So I go downstairs at 4 o'clock in the morning. He didn't, want me, when he, he didn't want me to say maybe yes or no or tomorrow morning when you get up. He wanted it right then. So then he says, okay. And I went downstairs. I got him something to drink. And he says, thank you, Daddy. And I says, oh, praise God. You're, it's okay, honey. You know, anything you want. I took him upstairs. I laid him down at the foot of our bed. He's going to lay down, you know, go back to sleep. And the next thing you hear, Daddy. What do you want, BJ? Would you do me another favor? What, BJ? I think my stomach is telling me it has to go to the bathroom. You shouldn't have got a drink, BJ. <laughs> okay, BJ, I'll take it to the bathroom. But now think about that. He doesn't expect me to say no when he wakes up in the middle of the night and wants something to drink, does he? He doesn't expect me to say no or maybe or wait till next week. No, I'm his father. And he wants what he wants. Now, I don't know what your relationship is at home, but I know that whatever they want, I'm, I'm going to give what they want as long as it's in my power to do it. You know, as long as it's good and healthy for them. you got to use discipline when it's no, it's no. But I mean, 
This is the relationship you have with your father and you're walking into his throne of love gifts and you're going right, sitting right up on his lap and you have written out a, a formal request and you have taken him at his word. Now, I could be a, you know, a cruel father and say, no, you're not doing, you know, this, but the father has written his word for us so that you and I can take that word to him and hold him to it because the Bible says that God can't lie. And if he can't lie and says that I will do this for you if you will do this, and I go into his presence and say, Father, I have done thus and so. And you said if I do thus and so, you would do this. Now here is my request. I have done this and this and this. And you said you would do that. Do you think he's going to lie to you and say, well, I'm not going to do it? No. You have gone into his presence because he told you to go into his presence. And let me say something else to you. Did you ever stop and think about this? That probably 90% of every born-again Christian's time in prayer, in his presence, is spent in petition. If you never came to him with a petition, you probably never go to him. A lot of Christians don't want to go and just love him and just tell him how much you love him. And if someone sees you saying, oh, Father, I just thank you for this day. Not because I have any needs or wants or desires right now. I just come into your presence because you are my Heavenly Father. And I just want to share my love with you. I just love you, Heavenly Father. I'm not asking you for anything. You are my shepherd. You're my asset. You supplied my every need. I'm just coming in to tell that I love you. Because some people don't do that. So he designed a way that you've got to get in there to get your prayer answered. And that's why you're in there most of the time. But now do you think he's going to have you go in there and not give it to you? Well, that's ridiculous from the word go. It's not the Father that's stopping you from getting your prayer answered. It's not, you know, God that's causing us to be defeated in life. But once you get to the place that you ask the Father that request, you submit that petition to Him. He says, Son, it's granted unto you. It's in the Spirit that it's granted unto you. You are now to follow step four. You are to believe that you've received the petition granted. Okay, step four. Believe you receive. Let's look at Mark eleven twenty four. I don't want to go without giving you the scriptures. Even though you know them, I know them, forward and backwards, we can quote them. But let's look at them with our eyes to show you that I'm not writing this Bible. And for the life of me, when you teach them these two scriptures, I hear people say, you took that out of context. I mean, the whole context is telling us how faith works. The whole context is telling us how to use faith and the God kind of faith and having faith in God, how to have faith in God. And Jesus is teaching his disciples how to have faith in God or how to use their God kind of faith. And yet when we take the scriptures that show us the law of faith and the prayer of faith, someone says you're taking that out of context. Well, friend, let's read it together. Mark eleven twenty three and 24. Let's read 22 also. Jesus answering saith, Jesus answering saith, Jesus answering saith unto them, Have faith in God, or as my margin reads in the Bible, Have the faith of God. And now he explains it, For verily I say unto you, That whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, And shall not doubt in his heart, But shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, He shall have whatsoever he saith. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Now, therefore I say unto you, because he shall have whatsoever he saith, what things soever you desire when you pray. Now he's telling you what to do when you pray. When you ask, when you pray. When you pray to the Father and ask him, because of the fact you can have what you say, you are to believe that you received. I am to believe I received the petition granted. And it shall be granted you. Believe that you receive and you shall have it. Okay, 
I am to believe. All things are possible to him that believeth. But in prayer, what am I to believe? I am to believe that the petition was granted from my father when I asked him at 820, October the 24th, 1982. That's what I'm to believe. Jesus said so. I'm to believe that. Okay. If I believe that I receive... Then he said, I shall have. Now you are ready to fight the good fight of faith. It took all that to get you to the place of a battle. A place of a battle. You are now ready to fight. Look at 1 Timothy 6.12. Don't you think that you're not going to have a battle once you release your faith and believe that you have received your need met? People ask the Lord for a healing and the first sign or first symptom that comes their way, they give up. They waver. They relent in their faith. They repudiate the word. Okay? But now here, we are told, Paul again writing, to this beloved brother Timothy, and he says in chapter 6 and verse 12, Fight the good fight of faith. When Joshua and Caleb and the other ten spies were spying out the land at Kadesh Barnea, they had to fight the good fight of faith to possess the land. The land was given them. The land was granted them. You remember in Joshua when Rahab the harlot hid the men that spied out the land? on her rooftop and let them down onto the scarlet rope. Do you remember all that? And, and how she by faith hid them and said that we knew... Listen to what she said. We knew that the Lord your God is God in heaven and in earth and over all the land, and He gave you the land. The Lord your God hath given you the land. They haven't set one foot on the land yet, but she said we knew that the Lord hath given you the land. Well, the thing that you're wanting to possess has already been given to you by the Father. He hath given you. You've come to the land. He's given it to you. You ask Him for the healing. He's given it to you. Right then. But now you've got to possess it. You've got giants in the land that are there to keep you from it. From possessing it. Not from you. From Him giving it to you. He swore to give it to you. And He has given it to you. He lifted up Jesus to give it unto you. And now you're before the land. You've come to that land. Bless God. You've asked the Father and your petition is granted unto you. You've got the land. It's mine now. Praise God. Well, in order for you to possess that land, you've got to fight the good fight of faith. And if you're not willing to fight the good fight of faith, you never possess that land. They weren't willing to fight. We're not able to possess the land. There's giants in the land and we're just a bunch of grasshoppers in their sight. That was their confession. We're going to die in the wilderness and that's exactly what happened to them. Okay? But now Listen. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Whereunto thou art also called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. How would you like to have witnesses like those other ten spies? Man, we're well able to possess the land. We're going to take the land. They pick up rocks and boulders and ready to clobber them. Man. Isn't that nice to have friends like that? Who needs enemies that way? Okay. Now you're ready to fight the good fight of faith. You're before the land. Your, your antenna of faith is up. Satan knows it. 
Your flesh knows it. The world knows it. You've made your bold confession of faith. You've asked the Father in the name of Jesus. He has granted you your petition. And now the fight of faith comes. If there is a fight to faith, it means there are enemies of faith. If there are enemies of faith that are trying to keep us from our faith, then it's possible we can waver in our faith and fail in our faith. Isn't that right? Okay. But we are told to hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering unto the end. Now let's look at uh, two more scriptures that confirm us. Look at Hebrews 6.12. And then we're going to just rattle off real quick the enemies of faith. Well, let's do that right now. Find Hebrews 6.12. You've asked the Father. He has granted you your petition. He has given you the land, so to speak. But now, by faith, you will possess that land. Okay? That's where they missed it. See, they missed out on possessing the land. You're not going to dwell in the land if you don't possess the land. Okay. Number one. Lack of knowledge is an enemy of faith. Lack of knowledge is an enemy of faith. Number two. Failure to act as though the word is true is an enemy of faith. If you don't know what the word says, lack of knowledge, faith cannot go beyond your knowledge of the word. If you don't have any knowledge of the fact that Jesus took your infirmities and bore your sicknesses, you can't act on that. So, lack of knowledge is an enemy of faith. Number two, failure to act as though the word is true is an enemy to your faith. Failure to act as though the word is true. Well, you say, I believe the word is true. I believe it's true from Genesis to Revelation. I believe that every word that is spoken in the word of God is truth. I believe it with all my heart. Okay? Are you sick? Yeah. I thought you said you believe the word is true. I do, but I can't lie. Well, you believe the word is true? Yes. Does First Peter 2.24 say, With the stripes you were healed? Yes. If you were healed, what are you doing sick? You were healed. If you were healed, then I am healed. If God says I'm healed, why are we lying about it? By saying we're sick. This is the highest type of faith, by the way, and I want you to catch a hold of it. Now, you've got to understand what I'm saying. Don't run off with this and, and have a, you know, weak foundation. You've got to have a strong foundation. If you believe the Word of God is true, you need to act on it. You need to act upon the Word. Okay, you say, I believe the Word, is God, Word of God is true, right? Yeah. Okay. You believe every bit of it is true? I believe every bit of it is true. Okay, now let me ask you a question. Uh, you have any problem paying your bills? Oh, you wouldn't believe all the problems I've having paying my bills. I just can't seem to make ends meet. I mean, well, I thought you said you believe the Word of God is true. I do believe the Word of God is true, brother, from beginning of the book to the end of the book. Well, the Bible says that He supplies all your need according to His riches and glory of Christ Jesus and every one of your needs are met. Oh, I believe that. Can you pay your bills? No. I thought you said you believe the Word of God is true. Failure to act upon the Word of God means you don't believe it. You say, even in the midst of circumstances? Yes, yes, sir. Don't you dare get on these, these Israelites that... Fell by the wayside in the wilderness if you're going to talk the same negative doubt and unbelief that they did. Amen. You want to set some standards in your life? I'm not going to judge anybody to be any different than what I am. I mean to tell you right now. If I'm not doing any better than what they did, I'm certainly not going to judge them, are you? 
No, when circumstances come my way, I'm going to speak the word. Amen. Amen. I'm just going to speak the word. Okay, now, number three is very important. Preoccupation with sense, knowledge, evidence. Preoccupation with sense, knowledge, evidence. I've got to give you a scripture for this one. So hold your place there in Hebrews 6 and find 2 Corinthians 4.18. Preoccupation. Being preoccupied with sense, knowledge, evidence. Now, this is what the world, the devil, and the flesh... This is what they are doing to you. They are dictating to you, to you and to your senses their language. They're telling you that you are sick. Your body is telling you that it is sick. The nurse is telling you that you are sick. All the outside is telling you that you are sick. But the Word tells you you are healed. You're in the middle. They're all telling you you're sick. And the Word is telling you you're healed. The devil, the world, and the flesh are telling you you're sick. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost are telling you you're healed. Who's stronger and who's greater? The devil, the world, and the flesh? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost? Well, there's a fight. There's a good fight of faith. You know why it's a good fight? What side you on? I'm on this side. Forget that side. I agree, Lord. It doesn't look like it. The fight is this fight. We walk by faith and not by sight. Not by the senses. Not by what the world, the devil, or the flesh say. I'm on God's side. Hallelujah. And bless God, I believe that He's able to perform that what He has promised. Amen? Okay. So I'm, the fight is, let the fight go on. You know, I, the Bible, I heard someone say it like this. We are more than conquerors. Right? More. Now, Jesus was a conqueror, wasn't He? He conquered the devil. Okay? We are more than conquerors. You know why we're more than conquerors? See, a conqueror is somebody who wins. Jesus was in a fight with the devil. He beat the devil and blessed God. He whipped him, you know, and he's a conqueror. Well, just like you take one of these famous boxers. They go out and they fight a boxing match and they, and they beat up the other person. They become a conqueror. They want the title. They want the belt. They want a check for $50,000. Hallelujah. They're just all shouting and just, you know, praising God. Hallelujah. I want this $50,000. I'm the champ. I am a conqueror. He goes off home and hands the check over to his wife. She's more than a conqueror. <laughs> Hallelujah. More than a conqueror. She didn't even fight the fight, but she got the $50,000. She's more than a conqueror. Okay? Now, that's you and me. We are more than conquerors. Jesus fought the fight. He won the battle. He defeated the devil. He put them under, under our feet for us. And bless God, we're on His side. We have the victory. The, the battle's been won. We are more than conquerors. Amen. All I got to do is just join on this team and just say, bless God, I'm, I'm with you. If you say I'm healed, Father. If you say I'm healed, Son. If you say I'm healed, Holy Ghost. I agree. That settles it. Okay. Now, that will cause you to possess the land. Now, preoccupation, being preoccupied with sense, knowledge, evidence, is listening to what the devil, the world, and the flesh are saying to you. Now, this scripture says, while we look not at the things that are seen. For we don't walk by sight, but we walk by faith. While we look not at the things that are seen, but the things that are not seen. For the things that we see... Feel, taste, hear, smell, all these things that we see, they are temporary or they are subject to change or temporal. The word says temporal, temporary or subject to change. That can change. That condition can change. But the eternal ones, the Father, the Son, Holy Ghost, the Word that's dictating to me I'm healed, those things are eternal. 
But the things that are not seen, they are eternal. I'm eternally healed. I'm eternally delivered. I'm eternally set free. As far as the Father God is concerned, concerning my life, I am redeemed, sanctified, healed, set free, delivered, prosperous, according to His Word, and which is in glory. As far as, and that's eternal. No matter what the circumstance may come and dictate to me, He says, you are eternally secure. When these circumstances come, they are fighting against what God said to me. God said I am more than a conqueror. God has said that I am the righteousness of God. He said to me that I am healed. He said to me that greater is he that's in me he's in the world. But when the devil, the world, and the flesh are dictating to me something different, their own language, who am I going to side up with? Okay, the Bible says, how can two walk together except they be agreed? Who do you want to walk with? The devil, the world, and the flesh, or with the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost? Okay, so we got to team up and side with and agree with God. No matter what I feel like, no matter what it looks like, are you getting this? I know some you know, some, I think you think everybody knows this. You think everybody's understood this. You may think that you know it, but I want to tell you something. When you get out of here, you're going to know that you 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 know it. Amen? Because that's where it works. That's how it works. Okay, so we don't look at the things that are seen. And in 2 Corinthians 5, 7 tells you our warfare. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Okay, we've established that. Last enemy of faith. Lack of patience. Very quickly, we're going to run through this. We run through everything very quickly. Someone said, someone said I, I listened to one of your tapes. Brother John was, was listening to one of my tapes. He says, he says, Brother, he says, you preached 90-day message on a 16-minute tape. I says, well, did I get enough on there? He says, man, he says, you, could have, you could have taught a seminar from one tape I listened. I says, well, you got to get the word out, brother. you got to get the word out. I just like to get the word out. Amen? We can't, I can't get enough of this word. Can you? That's my confession. I just can't get enough of this word. I'm not concerned about what anybody, what I think or what you think. I'm concerned about what God thinks about my life. And we've got to be concerned about what He says about our lives. Amen? Okay. Even though your body tells you that it's sick, forget what the body says. You agree with the, with the Lord. Lack of patience. Hebrews 6, we said, right? 6.12. That you be not slothful, but followers of them... Now, see, there's nothing wrong with being a follower of Joshua and Caleb. There's nothing wrong with being a follower of Paul, as long as they were following Jesus. It's just followers of them. Look at, be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and what? Inherit the what? So now patience has something to do with our inheriting the promise. Go to Hebrews again in the 10th chapter. We saw this already, but we'll see it again. Faith and patience. See, faith has another force working with it to undergird it, which is called patience. It means stability being the same way. I think what's the best definition of patience would be unchangeableness. <clears throat> unchangeableness. In other words, here you are and it's Sunday evening, right? And you have been pumped up with the word morning and night and probably noon when you was talking, you know, at your supper table. You were just talking the word and speaking the word. And I mean, you just got yourself electrified in the things of God. You have your switch of faith turned on. And I mean, you're just so filled with the word. It's just prevailing over your senses. It's causing you to mature and grow up into Him and all things. Bless God. And you're just becoming a mature Christian. And Monday morning comes and, the, you know, your alarm goes off at 5.30 in the morning. And you look at that thing with one eye half open. And now are you still more than a conqueror? Are you? Don't get so enthused about tomorrow morning. Now, come on. Now, listen to me. 
I'm going to step on your toes now, okay? If you're laid off of work and you're getting up at 9 o'clock in the morning, shame on you. Did you hear me? You set your clock for the time you're supposed to get up to go to work because you've got a job, friend. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Act like you got one. Do something with that time. Seek the Lord with that time. But get up and act like you got a job. Praise God. I just thought I'd give you a nugget of truth. Amen. <laughs> Don't worry. God will heal your toes if I stepped on them. Amen. Okay. Look at this in the 36 verse. For you have need of... What? Okay, you have need a patience so that after you've done the will of God, you say, I've done the will of God, brother. I've done exactly what the word said. I believe that I received when I prayed. I asked the Father in Jesus' name, look, I've got it written out here, a formal petition for the, you know, to the Lord, and I've done exactly what you said. Well, you still have need of patience. You say, boy, I thought it was all done. Well, it's not. You've got, the Bible says you've got to study to show yourself to be approved, doesn't it? And you've got to turn over every rock and just look under, you know, just everything you could think of to get... Squeeze out of the word truth. You've got to do it. Okay. You have need of patience so that after you've done, that was the will of what you've just done, the will of God, you can obtain the promise through faith and patience. Look at James 1, 2 again now. James 1, 2. Patience is a fruit. And this will be my last comment on patience. Patience is a fruit. Now I'm going to show you why you should be counting it all joy. Patience is a fruit of the Spirit and everyone knows that fruit grows. Everybody knows that fruit grows. How does fruit grow? How does the fruit of patience grow? Love goes by feeding on the word concerning love. But how does patience grow? How does patience mature? How is patience fully formed and developed in me? I have the capacity for it. I have the spirit that you know, has patience in it because I was born of God and that's the fruit of the spirit. But how does it grow? How does it mature so that I can mature and grow myself? Well, here's how it grows and matures. Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh, worketh, or works out, or develops patience. The trying of your faith, the trying of your faith does this. The reason why I'm supposed to count it joy is because I know something. What do I know? I know that every time my faith is tried, my patience grows. If I count it joy. If I don't count it joy, you'll be remaining impatient and changeable in your circumstances. You know, the wind and the storm that came to your life was designed to cause you to change. Sunday night you were just, I mean, just on fire for God. Monday morning you wasn't so on fire. What happened? You changed from Sunday to Monday. Why? Because your circumstances changed. Your atmosphere changed. You're in different surroundings now. You were pumped up with faith yesterday, but now it's Monday here today. And, and now, you know, you've got to go to work and you've got to do this and you've got to do that. Well, what's the matter today? You lost your song. You lost your dance. You lost the joy that's in your heart. How come? Your circumstances changed. But patience is designed to grow with tribulation. And when it grows, look at the next verse. Let patience have her perfect work that you may be perfect and entire. Are you ready for this? That word entire means every grace that's in Christ Jesus will be uh, manifest in you. Every grace in Christ developed in you. That you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Can you imagine when every grace in Christ Jesus is manifest in you? Now, I don't, I don't just mean manifest. I mean fully developed. Entire means complete. Fully developed. 
that you may be complete and entire, wanting nothing. Okay? So when tribulation comes, the next time, you know, someone comes and, and does some harm to you, or next time some attack of sickness comes your way, or the next time, you know, a bill comes in the mail and you look at that thing and say, I didn't know this thing was coming. What, how are you going to act? How will you react to that situation? Count it all joy, knowing this, the trying of my faith, worketh patience, See, growth, stability, waiting on God, it causes patience to develop inside my life, and then I will be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. And I think we've run out of time. Did we, brother? Well, we've got to have our Friday night camp meeting on Sunday night. We're going to do that. We're going to meet on a Friday evening, and I'm going to preach this. I think the same, same thing. Just, just, just preach it and 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 preach it. This is what the church needs to know. This is the message that the church needs to know. I mean, if you're in the body of Christ, you need to understand and know how this works. You need to know how faith works. You've got to understand the depths of faith. You can't be half-hearted in this thing. Notice he said you can't be slothful, but you've got to be diligent. Amen? Thank you for listening to our Legacy Teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.